Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. And Lord, now, through your word and by your spirit, transform us by the renewing of our minds to make us more like Jesus, so that when we leave this experience, we leave different, so that every human being that we meet throughout the course of our week, we're able to love like you. So Lord, in order for that to happen, we fix our attention on you now. And we pray, Lord, that you would do work in us that reaches down deep into the deepest parts of who we are to transform us and make us more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray, amen. Well, I am so excited to talk to you about the disciple of Jesus that we're going to cover today. And uh, you know her. She is from a little fishing village on the western side of the Sea of Galilee that is called Magdala. If you go to the Holy Land with me, you will go to Magdala, and you will see the synagogue that still exists from the first century that was covered only in dust. But when they went to build a hotel and they were digging down to build the footer, they found this perfectly encapsulated through time synagogue in which Jesus no doubtedly visited and spoke. There was a woman from Magdala named Mary. We call her Mary Magdalene. Magdalene is not her surname. It is denoting where she's from. And Mary Magdalene is one of the most well-known and one of the most misunderstood disciples of Jesus Christ. She was phenomenal. She had an incredible story, and many stories have been just made up about her over the years. Uh, There are many who have said that she was a member of the world's oldest profession, but we have absolutely no biblical evidence to support that theory. There are some who identify her with the sinful women that Jesus encountered insofar as the woman who was caught in adultery. Uh, We have zero biblical evidence to corroborate that notion that she was the sinful woman caught in adultery. So, So people have said, well, she was therefore an adulterous woman. Well, we don't know that at all. People have even said that she was Jesus's wife. We have zero biblical evidence for that. She was not Jesus' wife. God would have told us, okay? But we do know some incredible things about Mary Magdalene. We know that she was the first person to see the risen Jesus. She was the first person to proclaim the truth that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead, that the tomb was empty, and she has a special place in the kingdom of God. So maybe, just maybe, as we've gathered in this place, you might feel like you're a little misunderstood too. You might feel like there are people who've made up stories about you. You might feel like you've been held in the clutches of evil too long for God to get a hold of you. Well, you might just identify with Mary Magdalene I know I do. Mary Magdalene decided to follow Jesus, and her life was transformed. In fact, if you're taking notes, that is our theme for today. Mary Magdalene decided to follow Jesus, and her life 
was transformed. Now, just as we did with Peter, we're going to go through several different texts, but we're going to start in Mark chapter 16, verse 9. And if you're in the Red Pew Bible in the room, that is page 853 down toward the right-hand bottom corner of the page. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. There's a lot we don't know about Mary Magdalene, but there's some pretty profound things that we do. Let's see what God tells us about this woman. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Mark is writing as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this. Now, when he, Jesus, rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, the first thing we know about Mary Magdalene is that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. So our first point, if you're taking notes, is this. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new peace. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new peace. Now, listen, throughout the Gospels, there are demon-possessed people. You see that. You read that. You know that of all the people that encounter Jesus, the beings who are absolutely not confused about Jesus' identity are the demonic. And I want you to notice something, because sometimes we read about Mary Magdalene that Jesus cast seven demons out of her, but I want you to think about the demon-possessed people that are uh, encountered throughout the New Testament. They're never seen as like supremely wicked people any more than the rest of us. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, we have all sinned. So we are all touched by evil. We are all wicked within. But these folks who were demon-possessed were not seen as being like extra evil in and of themselves. No, what was happening to them? Well, they had been taken captive by an enemy force, a fallen angel who had decided to follow the devil in his rebellion, had taken, captive, taken them captive and taken hold of their lives and was, was wreaking havoc. Remember, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so as we think about those who dealt with demon possession in the New Testament, what are the sorts of things that they dealt with? Well, insanity, ferociousness. They were often ferocious. They, they often harmed themselves. Self-mutilation was seen among the demon-possessed in the New Testament. An unquenchable rage, physical infirmities, psychoses, things like that. But all of these folks who were demon-possessed were seen as the victims, not as the perpetrators of evil. And when you look at what happens to them when Jesus releases them from that oppression, they change completely, don't they? It's a different person. Why? because this individual is no longer under the control of the demonic, no longer held captive by the demonic. Now you may say, well, that was the first century, this is the 21st century, we don't deal with that anymore. We really do, okay? The demonic is still very active in the world. Some of the same things that we saw in the New Testament in the first century are repeated 
in demon possession moments now. Now, I know everybody gets weird, especially at First Baptist Church, right? Well, we don't talk about those things here. But it's real. It's real. There's a real devil. There are real demons. But if you're in Jesus Christ, remember the Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. So what do we do? How do we combat demonic possession and oppression? Now, just to be clear, there are Christians that disagree on this, but I believe that if you are in Christ, you've repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. You are the temple of the living God now. And where the Spirit of God is, no demon can come in and take up residence, okay? So I do not believe that a Christian can be demon-possessed. I absolutely believe that a non-Christian can be demon-possessed. And if you think I'm crazy, just talk to some of your missionary friends who've gone to the other side of the world. I promise you they have stories to tell, okay? But for Christians, for those who trust and follow Jesus, we cannot be demon-possessed because the Holy Spirit possesses us. We can be demon-oppressed, though. So what does the demonic try to do to us? Well, it tries to distract us from Jesus, tries to um, tempt us, to try us, to harass us. The enemy knows he can't have us. Our Lord has us in his hand. Nothing and no one can snatch us away from him. So the enemy's not going to get us. The best he can do is bother us. Okay? But he tries. Mary Magdalene was possessed by seven demons. And Jesus cast them out. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he who cast those demons out of Mary Magdalene than any of the demons that were in her. He set her free. He gave her peace. We don't know what her life looked like when those seven demons were in her, but I can promise you it was hellish. But we know that Jesus gave her a peace, a peace that passed any understanding she could ever conceive of before he released her her and set her free. And so Mary followed Jesus to a new peace. How do you and I deal with demonic reality today? Well, the Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Let me just read to you verse 10 because this is the linchpin. This is the key to all of it, to standing firm against the demonic realm. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Don't try to stand against the demonic yourself. You're not that good, okay? But you stand firm in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His might. So Paul would go on to talk about putting on the full armor of God. And I'll just read to you that the full armor of God is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, as shoes for your feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance 
making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You live long enough in this sin-fallen world, you're gonna be touched by evil. We don't like to talk about it because, you know, it creeps us out. But evil's still very prevalent. The prince of the power of the air is still at work, but he's in a stay of execution. For eternal victory has already been won by Jesus Christ, who gave Mary Magdalene victory and peace. So how did she respond? Well, I want to invite you to look with me at Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Dr. Luke writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying, Soon afterward, he, Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Our second point, Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new lifestyle. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new lifestyle. Jesus set her free, and that changed her life literally. And so she joined this group of disciples who followed Jesus. And what did she do? She took what God had entrusted to her care, her gifts, her talents, her abilities, and her resources, and she served Jesus. She served the others. She served the world. That's what she did. That was now her lifestyle. No longer was she held captive by the demonic, but she had been set free in Jesus Christ, and she had been set free to serve God, and that's what she did. And can I tell you something? If you are in Christ, you also have been set free from being held captive by the demonic. Did you know that? Your captivity was not in Egypt, was not in slavery, was not in physical terms. Your captivity was a spiritual captivity in which you were dead in trespasses and sins in which we all once walked. But God, because of his great mercy, gave us his grace and set us free. So just like Mary, you who were formerly held captive, if you are in Christ, have been set free and called into a new lifestyle. No longer do you have to be bound to that which used to to enslave you. Now you're able to walk in the freedom of the children of God in Jesus Christ your Lord. And what does that look like? Well, it looks exactly like what Mary Magdalene did. She followed Jesus. And that's what we do. We follow Jesus. We use what he's entrusted to our care, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our resources. And we use those to serve God, to serve each other, and to serve the community at large. That's a lifestyle of discipleship. And that's the life to which every single follower of Jesus is called, just like Mary Magdalene. She decided to follow Jesus, and it wasn't just that she had a moment, got cleansed, and went on about her life. No, 
She had an encounter with Jesus, was cleansed, but then lived a lifestyle of trusting and following Jesus, and that's what he's called all of us to do. Now look with me at Matthew chapter 27. We're going to go all the way to the bottom of the chapter, verse 61. And I'm just going to read to you one verse, but know that Mary Magdalene followed Jesus and supported Jesus and his ministry and the, and the disciples. And she was there. See, the thing about Mary Magdalene that's so amazing is where the 12, except for John, were too afraid to go, Mary went. I think when you have literally been filled with hell and you are set free by heaven, you're not scared of hell anymore. So Mary Magdalene went wherever Jesus went. She stayed as close to him as she possibly could. And that meant that she went to the cross. She was there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the cross. She saw Jesus' greatest agony. She heard his sayings and words from the cross. She watched as the one who set her free was bound to an old rugged cross. And I promise you, she didn't understand what was going on. Nobody could, except for Jesus himself. But she knew that she loved Jesus, and she was going to stay with him no matter what. He had done great things for her. So she would live her life seeking to serve and honor him. So Jesus was crucified, and Mary Magdalene was there. Most all of the other disciples left. The shepherd was struck and the sheep scattered, but not Mary Magdalene. She was there. And after Jesus died, And the earthquake happened and all the things, the temple veil being rent in two and all the things that happened at the moment of Jesus' death, she was there. She saw him be lowered from the cross. She saw him be wrapped hastily in linen garments. She saw him placed into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Matthew chapter 27, verse 61, says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. Our third point is this. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new devastation. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new devastation. There's something that happens for everyone who decides to trust and follow Jesus in this sin-fallen world. At some point, you're going to learn that the sin-fallen world really is a sin-fallen world. And because of that, we have to deal with realities that were not part of God's good design at creation. 
We have to deal with disease. We have to deal with hatred. We have to deal with unrest. We have to deal with relational tension. We have to deal with death. We have to deal with so many people who live their lives totally independent of God. That's what the devil tempted Adam and Eve with. Eat the fruit from that tree, the one that God said don't eat of that one. It wasn't about the fruit. It was about living your life completely independent from God. And it doesn't work. It leads to death every time. It led to death then, spiritual death, and it leads to death now. Always spiritual death and physical death too. Mary Magdalene saw the worst of a sin-fallen world come upon the one who had changed her life, and she wasn't leaving. So she stayed while he was on the cross. She stayed when they took him down, and she followed to the tomb, and she was there when they rolled the stone over the opening of that tomb. Can you imagine the devastation that she felt? as now she had to get up and go on about her life without Jesus. Remember, her life without Jesus before was utterly hellish. And now she's got to go about her life without Jesus. And how could this happen? And what, what is this? So, as soon as Mary had the chance to go back to that tomb, she did. After the Sabbath was over, toward dawn, very early, in the morning on the first day of the week, she went back. Because she had watched how Jesus had been hastily wrapped in the, in the, in the cloths and placed in the tomb, and she was going to do it right this time. And so I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 28, just the next chapter, verses 1 through 6. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Our fourth point is that Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new joy. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus to a new joy. She had gone from the heights of devastation to the heights of joy that her Lord had been raised from the dead. Now, she didn't understand it all at first. She didn't understand. She thought somebody had just come and taken the body. She was, she was wigged out about it all. But what was this strange joy that captivated her even in the midst of her grief? It was the joy of the resurrection that death could not hold her Savior. And the one who had set her free from seven demons had been set free from the grave. That's the same joy that anybody who's in Christ gets to have. Yes, in a sin-fallen world, you're going to deal with devastation. It's going to happen. And it happens to 10 out of 10 people. Nobody has an easy life. Don't let the enemy 
Don't let the enemy confuse you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Everybody deals with struggles. Everybody. So in a sin-fallen world, you're going to deal with devastation. But if you're in Jesus Christ, that devastation is tempered by a joy that surpasses even the worst devastation we could imagine. Because the same Jesus who is raised from the dead has said to all of us who are in Christ, we too will be raised from the dead. And the greatest enemy that you and I have, the enemy of death, will not have the final word for us. No, Jesus has the final word for us. And though the thief would come to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. So we have life that begins at the moment we receive Christ and ends never. We have everlasting life. And so some of you are walking through the shadows of devastation right now. But if you are in Christ, that devastation will end and it will end sooner than you think it will, and it will be eclipsed by the bright, radiant, everlasting light of Almighty God in Jesus Christ your Lord. You have hope. You have hope. You have hope that in a sin-fallen world that can be awful sometimes, that's not all there is. You have hope. That even though the story may look bleak, just like it did on that Friday when she watched that stone get rolled over the tomb of her Savior, Sunday morning comes and the power of God is revealed. And so we have joy, a joy that transcends mere happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on the truth that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And so also we're all, will all of us be who are in him. So one final thing. Turn with me to John chapter 20. John's account of Mary's interaction with Jesus at the tomb is amazing, but I want to focus in on verses 17 and 18. Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first because she was bawling her eyes out. Peter and John have already come and left. She went and told them. They came, saw, went back, but she wasn't leaving the tomb. She she encountered somebody that she thought was the gardener. She says, where have you taken him? I'll go get him. Just, Just tell me. In that moment, Jesus said her name, Mary. And she heard her name spoken by that voice that had liberated her from her captivity. That voice that was able to to speak through the demonic and set her free is now speaking through her grief and bringing her liberation yet again. Mary. She responds by saying, Rabboni. And Jesus says to her, this is John chapter 20, verses 17 and 18, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So our fifth and final point is this, Mary Magdalene, followed Jesus to a new ministry. 
She followed Jesus to a new ministry. And what was her ministry? If you're in Christ, it's your ministry too. And it is the ministry of saying, I have encountered the risen Lord. Jesus lives. Jesus lives. And he who used to set the captive free is still setting the captive free. He who used to bring the dead to life is still bringing the dead to life. He who used to forgive sins is still forgiving sins. And he has done all of that in me. And he'll do it in you too. And so Mary Magdalene was commissioned by Jesus as the first person to see the risen Jesus, to talk to the risen Jesus, to encounter the risen Jesus. She was commissioned by Jesus to go and tell everybody else the good news. I've seen the Lord. He lives. And he's still doing amazing, miraculous things. You know, if you're in Christ, you're called to that ministry too. You may never get ordination or license papers from a church. You may never get a paycheck from a church. You may never be on TV, you know, preaching the gospel. You, but you're called to that same ministry, and so am I. It's the ministry to which Jesus called Mary Magdalene. Go and tell. Tell the world. Jesus Christ lives, and we have hope in our risen Savior. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.